Hi, my name is Stuart Alsop, and this is my podcast, Crazy Wisdom, where I interview creative people about how they work with and manage the stress that is inherent in creative work. What I've realized over the past 10 years of my research is that anybody who is creating something of value that is significantly different from what has come before is considered crazy. Most of us have a fear, an ingrained fear of going crazy. Uh, so what I'm saying is grab onto that fear, realize that it's there, and just go with it because the problems we're going to be facing over the next 20 years require crazy people in order to solve them. Okay, welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Uh, my guest here is Paul Wang. Uh, he just described what he does as something really cool. He, uh, uh, he describes what he does as a mix between martial arts, uh, um, medical acupuncture, and mysticism. Uh, he's been doing all three of these things for about 20 years now, uh, and he travels all over the world sharing what he does. I'm really excited to have you on the show. Um, our topic today is the relationship between stress and creativity. And what I'm really interested in finding out is how can Negong and Gong Fu, is it, how did you, how did you describe I it? it? I call it, I call it Gong Fa, and I can go into why I use that terminology, but uh, mm. yeah. So, yeah. I, and and the, the slogan for that, I call it, I, I describe it as um, self-care cultivation. Cool. So I want to talk about how that can help us become less stressed and more creative. Uh, so welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for being here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So let's get right into it. What is your definition of stress? <laughs> uh, the way I, I go about it is um, I think all of us can agree we have um, three main aspects of the human. We have our physical body. Uh, there's more, of course, but to simplify, physical body, our emotional aspect, um, as well as our mental aspect. And to me, when those three are two variables, one, not optimized, for instance, physically, you, know, you have tension, you have pain, emotionally, you're kind of uh, imbalanced, and, and uh, mentally, you're not focused or clear, uh, that's not optimal. Uh, and furthermore, not, not only are each of these individual not optimized, but they're also not in alignment. Yeah. So I would say stress is when each of these aspects are not in a in a good state, I mean, we could we could grade it like a like like in school. Right now, I'm in I'm in a university town, Berkeley. So a lot of students around me. Um, let's say your your physical is A, okay, A plus, but your emotional aspect is like a C, right? So men mentally, you're maybe like a B. So optimization is where you move from physical tension and pain to to ease and flow. Um, and emotionally, when you when you're um, stuck in one emotion or they're all over the place to more calm and peace and mentally from kind of scatter or some some of patients say a brain fog that's common from now to clarity and focus um, so stress uh, to me lies on a, on a polarity on one side uh, what i just described is actually stressful uh, and on the on the other other side of that pole is spiritual yeah so stressful is when all three of these are not optimized nor aligned. And spiritual is simply when your mental, emotional, and physical state are optimized and aligned. And, and when I say spiritual, that's kind of a loaded word nowadays. Some people have aversion to 
just because it's overused. Like, even now, spiritual is overused, but that's my definition. It doesn't require you to be in a temple or a mosque or a church. You can be, you know, sitting in a cafe. You can be on an airplane. You can be walking in, in your neighborhood and be in a spiritual spiritual state, which again is the is the counter or the antidote to stress. Mm. And so you mentioned the brain fog. That's something that I've dealt with a lot, lot in my life, um, and particularly before I started yoga. And I've also done um, some qigong uh, and meditation, all these different things. All these have helped me to the point where I very rarely get brain fog. But now it's almost like the opposite, uh, where I have too much energy. I ask for energy, and now I have too much. Uh, have you seen this in other people? Does that does that happen when they when they're starting these practices that that you get to these points where it almost brings up anxiety from the practices or, or kind of, and, and, there's, and there's a fear element in my case as well, so. Um. Yeah, uh, I would start with why people start with these practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned brain fog or, or anxiety, that's very common. I, I, I see it as a, a th- kind of a three-stage process. And the first stage is, sometimes I use an example, I don't, I don't have room to do it here, but I, I take like a, say, a, iPhone charge, charger cord or something like that. And I, and I swing it in the air, you can imagine, right? So around, along the periphery, it's moving super fast, right? One rotation, you know, maybe, I don't know, the velocity. But the closer you get to the center, actually there's theoretically a point in the center that, that is immovable. And most of us, you know, at some point we get, uh, we spin out of control. <laughs> uh, and we're, we're kind of living, facing the, the periphery and we feel like, um, where we, things are going too fast, it's too much going on. And so, uh, which is one way to, that, that stress is experienced. So uh, that's like uh, realization number one, like too much, there's too much going on, I'm so stressed. And to me, the second phase is when they, when they want to find an antidote. And that's when they begin to turn more or less 180 degrees. They're like, oh my God, there's actually uh, theoretical to, to me at this, at this time, but it looks like, over there, <laughs> near the center, is actually uh, is what I need, that, that calmness and stillness. And that's the second phase, where kind of like you said, you recharge. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and you plug in. And there's many, many different uh, terminology for that, for that center, for that absolute, for that zero point, that source, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's great. But uh, to me, that's only in the second phase. That's kind of like where some people... Um, they, they dissociate or they go on retreat, which is great, you know, but then uh, it can become a kind of escapism uh, where you, you kind of give up your responsibility. Say you're a mom, but you don't take care of your kids anymore, or you have a, a employees, but you kind of ignore them, right? So, so to me, it's, there's a third phase where you, where, you, where you plug in the center, but then you move back out to the periphery. But the difference is you're back out of the periphery, but in this more mature or developed state, you're always tethered, like a, like a spaceman, you know, astronaut, mm. to headquarters, to home base. Mm. Um, and and um, so I see it in that process. And what I, what I use to plug in is, is what I call self-care cultivation. And because I, I come from a more Chinese medical background, I, I use the terminology gong and fa, which I particularly use. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, that's how I see the map. Of, of the process for people, why they why they turn to yoga, meditation, qigong, these kind of things, and mm-hmm. then after, uh, I, b- I believe that it has to become integrated into their day to day, not just as a as a hiding you know, or avoiding. 
what are the biggest tips that you have for helping to integrate uh, so as as practitioners we have these experiences these you know grand some of us have these grand spiritual experiences and then as you said we need to bring it back into everyday life and then move from the center back into everyday life and uh, share we'll share the state we have with other people in, in a totally sure, normal yeah. context so how do you suggest people integrate these experiences into their lives? Uh, if I were to summarize it with one word, I would say meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the title of, of this podcast, you wrote the word Tao, right? Which has, I would say, four connotations. So we can get into that later. But um, uh, in a way, w- one analogy, I like to use analogy, is Tao is the dance. Um, between what? Between the one and the many. Um, I believe that stress uh, every day, in, in little ways, more or less, they, it, it leaks, it drains meaning from our life. Uh, so we have to develop a deliberate, ideally daily practice to renew that meaning. So, and I use the stressful versus spiritual kind of thing. So stress is when meaning is lowered uh, and the spirit state is when the, when the meaning is raising, raising up. Um, and that's everybody's responsibility. What is, what is most meaningful for you? And it could be different things, uh, love, truth, uh, fame, money. Um, so, uh, tied to the the, the the main theme of your podcast, Crazy Wisdom. I love the name, by the way. <laughs> is, is it actually a, re- a reference to Chogyam Trungpa? Uh, well, he, he's the one who popularized was, it, but it, it was actually a yeah. big term uh, to yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's my it's my understanding that once you get, you know, as you were talking about, once you move from the place is like a chaotic place although there's stillness and everything like that the the the, the knowledge there is, is um uh, pre-verbal or beyond language so so it's chaotic in yeah. what i see so, yeah uh, and so that's what i try to point to with crazy wisdom and also at a practical level uh, uh very practical advice for how to create things in this in this earth um uh recognizing that there will be obstacles whenever you try to create stuff sure um and then the other the two main themes of your podcast are stress and creativity right so mm-hmm. if i were to tie that into what i said is uh if you want to de-stress it is a process going from the periphery to the center um going from many variables uh to the one absolute, which is different for everybody. Right? So that's a, a process of de-stressing, decreasing variables from many to one. Um, and that could be simply like, do I need to do these 10 things on my to-do list today? <laughs> or can I just focus on one or two? Mm-hmm. Or do I need to learn guitar and piano and, and trombone all at the same time? Or can I just let that go? That's not the most meaningful to me mm-hmm. uh, at this time. It's adding more stress. Um, and then and that reverse process is actually from the one back to the many, that is the creative process. Right? Mm-hmm. Where you, you plug into your source and you return outward. Uh, and that to me is, is creative. Like you said, you have all these, some more or less uh, dramatic visions or insights, but it doesn't even have to be so um, so, so dramatic. It could be just, oh, you, you realize something by going to your uh, center that was always uh, there, your subconscious, let's say, but you couldn't hear it because it was, it was speaking to you at a lower decibel, <laughs> so to speak, than, than the other noise in your life. Yeah. Mm. So again, de-stress, go from the many to the one, back to the center. And the creative process is once you, once you, once you um, draw something from that, come back down and share it in your own 
back to the community, back to society, back to the world. So one thing that people commonly encounter on this, on this path is fear. And a lot of times it comes up in the spiritual practice as well. And, and a lot of times it seems as if fear is the main thing that, that in a spiritual practice that is, is, is required to encounter and move through and stuff like that. How would you, how would you suggest people uh, manage or, or um, work with fear in a healthy way? Fear is natural and it is actually um, beautiful. So, uh, from again, since uh, since you mentioned Tao or Taoism, actually, um, we, we talk about relativity, right? So, or even speaking of relativity, that reminds me of a theory of relativity right? in terms of uh, quantum physics. So, nothing nothing makes sense. Nothing is meaningful without without uh, its its other uh, on a on a spectrum. So often I like to use an analogy of magnets, right? So if you put two magnets together and it is the opposite pole like this, then they would, they would come back. And when you reverse it, they repel away, uh, repulsive force, that's, that's natural. And, and to me, we use this label fear, which has all this negative connotation, but to me, fear is actually a repulsive force. It's pushing you away mm -hmm. from and, we, and, then, and then we use another emotional label called love, which is kind of drawing us back in. And so it is, we're always playing with these polarities. And um, mm. it's almost, sometimes I use a funny, oh, I just had an image of someone running, right? And they're running, like, why are you mm. running? Right? I don't know if you uh, heard this, but it's like, are they actually running away from something, right? Mm. Or are you running mm. towards something? And if they're really into it, you don't know. So you ask, what is their intention? What is their meaning for running? Uh, and uh, for for every every human, like okay, why am I why am I running all over the place? <laughs> am I driven more by am I driven more by come, going towards something because I love it, or am I or am I driven more by running away something because I fear it? Um, but again, these are natural things, even from 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 biology. Um, we need to run away sometimes from from dangerous threats, but I think it become uh, not so appropriate when we run away from things that actually. Need may benefit us or others, make us um, uh, evolve. You know? so, mm. so fear is all good. <laughs> it's mm. a kind of energy, we would say chi in, in Chinese medicine. Fear is a kind of chi. In, in the classic text of, of uh, uh, Chinese medicine, the Huangdi Neijing, the Yellow Emperor's internal classic, there's this like 2,000, 3,000 years ago, they talk about motions as trajectories of chi. Mm. And it's interesting, we use the word emotion, right? As the word motion, movement. So no emotion is it's good or bad, it's just contextual. Uh, however, it becomes unhealthy if emotional trajectory is stuck in one direction. Mm. Uh, so they describe anger as chi rising up uh, like this, right? Mm. Which is fine, you have justified anger sometimes, especially if you're an activist or trying to help someone, hey, you know, stop that. But if it's stuck in that direction, if you take that anger home 24 seven and then you know, kick your dog or something like that, or are or, 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 mm. uh, unhappy all the time because that's, that's not good. So anger and is, is, is rising, fear is actually descending, like you freeze, like you in the headlights, or even mm -hmm. lose, we lose our, our control, we pee, pee down our pants, right? <laughs> Everything is going down, it's stuck. Mm -hmm. um, and then anxiety, 
or joy is expanding outwards, mm -hmm. and it's sadness or grief is contracting inwards. All of these are part of being human. We should feel everything, but we have to be careful about identifying uh, too strong with any one of them. It comes and goes like, like weather for now. Yeah, so I have, mm -hmm. I have no negative connotation for, for mm -hmm. fear, unless it becomes stuck, um, or if it's not in balance with, with the other natural emotion. What are some subtle signs that either that an individual is running away from something that might be good for them? Um, it, it sometimes it's hard because you know we we do that because sometimes we're addicted to certain emotions. We're just mm. used to running. Mm. We're used, some people are addicted to the feeling of jealousy or the feeling of lack. And, and whenever they feel abundance, they, it's, it's out of their comfort zone, so they snap back into mm. lack. Or, or whenever mm. they feel belonging or, or love or, or trust, it feels unfamiliar, so they go back into jealousy or distrust. Um, so this is, you know, there's all these psychotherapy, spiritual paths to address this question, how do you distinguish? Um, mm. The only way is to go in. I cannot do it for you. I can I can help you find your meaning, but it's it's definitely individual. Um, so, I, I, one thing I can say is, I would just ask them, why why do you think you're running? <laughs> and maybe let's have a seat. Let's let's pause for a moment. Mm -hmm. And then through inquiry, uh, through uh, through um, turning inwards, um, you can begin to tease out. Um, maybe you ran in the past for a reason, mm -hmm. as, a, as a defense mechanism. Right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you would have been killed, you know, psychologically or physically. Um, but at some point, it's like, you know, the, the threat is gone. Why, why are you still engaging this? You can, running, running is actually, in, in, this, in this story, meaningless, right? Uh, if you're running for no reason. In the beginning, you ran away from something because it would, would have killed you. After a while, the threat is gone. Why are you running? If you don't create a new meaning, then it's pointless. Unless you create a meaning, oh, oh you know what? I was running away from something because of fear. I am going to, as an individual, sovereign, uh, human, I can actually reframe this action <laughs> by creating a new intention. Okay, I will confidence or success. I redefine that or or uh, intuition. Yeah, hmm. it's, it's every person's individual responsibility. As as a teacher, I I don't like to. The joke right was don't should all over yourself so i don't like to should on other people <laughs> um yeah, each each person it's their responsibility to do that and, and i think you should check in with yourself every day for at least 14 hmm. that's cool um so yeah something you mentioned reminded me of something i've been working with my teacher a lot uh which in my meditation teacher which is that a lot of, as human beings, we have this amazing ability to look into the past and look into the future, things that don't exist. The past doesn't really exist, the future doesn't really exist, but they exist as concepts in our mind. And so we have this incredible ability, which also leads to a sort of trap as well, which is that we get stuck in these fantasy states that actually change the way we behave and act right now. For example, the way that I look at this computer screen is conditioned by everything in my past, the way that I talk is conditioned by the languages that I have. And so these, we oftentimes as human beings have these states, like you were saying, that don't really apply to, to what's going on currently right now, these conditions that are, that are currently necessary, but it's, we're, we're reacting to things in the past or we're reacting to things that might happen in the future. Um, 
how does Qigong uh, and these these practices that you you share, how do they help us become more able to work with what we're what what is currently up for us or what is currently happening rather than reacting to um, conditioned mind states? Um, as, as we know, um, we have experience of results, right? And the results don't change unless we change our actions. But our actions are, are, um, are, are let's say, caused by or, or driven by our, our emotions, how we, how, we, how, we, how we feel something to be. Um, and, and further up, we have our intention. Our intention actually, or our thoughts, affect our emotions. So, so if you want to change the, the results, you have to go not just trying to change your action, like New Year's resolution, I'm going to work out more or something. That's only at the action phase. Repeated action creates behavior. Repeated behavior creates habits. Some people are trying to change habits. That's way, like, way downstream. Uh, mm -hmm. You have to go up one level at least to address the emotion, which, which uh, over time becomes belief, which over time becomes conviction. However, if you don't address the, the, the E level, uh, not just the Qi, that's why I don't like the word Qi Gong. Because chi is just an emotional energy level. Mm. You have to train your e attention, which over time it becomes um, crystallized as as thought, and it becomes crystallized even furthermore as as your mindset. Uh, so you have to work at all three of these phases if you want to change the result downstream. It's also almost it's almost impossible actually to change the result if you don't address these these other aspects. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and simplest way is actually to use your your breath. Because breath is part of that chi layer, uh, which actually mitigates between your, your mind intention and your and your physical action, uh, and plus breath has this uh, conscious, deliberate uh, aspect and also this subconscious aspect, and and like you said about concepts, um, which which kind of pull us to the past and, and, and to the future. The thing that can be an antidote to that is, is breathing, because we can only breathe in the moment, and then breathing has two aspects: it has the inhalation and exhalation. But actually, I like the, the translation or the kind of synonym, inspire or inspiration. Mm -hmm. During the inspiration phase, you're like, wow, okay, I appreciate life. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can still breathe. And then during the expiration phase, you remember death, which can come at any moment. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that, but, but just like anything, you know, uh, we have to practice. We, we practice getting angry, we practice um, getting jealous. We practice all these, practice being fearful. And we think that they're, they become natural. It's not necessarily natural, it's just our familiar, familiar process. But you can also train to be present. You can also train to be more uh, uh, still and centered. And, and no one can do that for you. <laughs> just like no one, no one can eat for you or, or, or poop for you. <laughs> That's on you. Um, and, but if you think of uh, behaviors like at some point, I decided to brush my teeth. At some point, I decided to shower. Those aren't actually necessary. Why yeah. do I do it? Simply because it makes me feel better. Um, so it's a learned behavior. So it's uh, what I'm talking about is just like we have physical hygiene. It's best. It's great if you develop whatever you want to call it, mental hygiene, emotional hygiene, spiritual hygiene to help uh, clear our emotional constipation <laughs> or our, our mental diarrhea. <laughs> um, it takes uh, teaching, of course, connecting to a good teacher. I'm glad you, I'm glad you have one to help tease out which some of these things, which can be very complicated, right? It can be stuck in the many, right? Actually, the essence of it is quite simple. Uh, that's why, you know, I, 
you know, I come from, you know, originally, you know, Chinese philosophy background. So we call it Wu Qi, which means, Wu means not, Qi means duality. So mm -hmm. Wu Qi means non-duality. Mm -hmm. But the Tibetans call it Chen. And, and the and Indian philosophy of which there's many schools, they call it Advaita Vedanta. Yeah, whatever you call it, it's, it's the one for you. It doesn't have to be my word or my concept, but everyone has to do that for themselves. If you don't want, if, if you want to compass in life, <laughs> but if yes. you're happy with, with drowning in the chaos, uh -huh. that's great. Which, uh, if you practice, the chaos doesn't go away, but you have a, a compass or you have a buoy that can help you flow and swim and dance with it rather than like, you know, like breathing, uh, uh, losing, uh, uh, screaming for your breath all the time. Yeah. You can manage it more skillfully. Mm. And that's actually a practice in, in, in many uh, Hindu traditions or, or Shaivite traditions where they, they actually do pretend to go insane so that they can live with this craziness and stuff like that. And, and you see these guys who are meditating on uh, cremation grounds and, and, and hanging out with people all the time. And it's really interesting. And I, I find it really interesting because they're, it's kind of an accepted part of the culture, kind of accepted, not totally accepted. Uh, but then here we have the same thing in San Francisco and many other places where we have homeless people who have given up this life for either for mental illness and for structural reasons or anything. But then there are a certain population who that is the path and like that is that is what they're doing. But here it's totally kind of, it's it's pushed under the rug and it's not acceptable and it's- and, and, It's not acknowledged, yeah. Knowledge, yeah. yeah. So that's really interesting. Um, that, that to me is, is part of the second phase, uh, part of the second phase that I described where they turn away, they dissociate from society mm. and they go into their, their cave, so to speak, even if the cave is the streets of, mm. of Oakland. You know? mm -hmm. But um, I, I, again, I cannot judge because I don't know where they're at, but, mm. but uh, that process is, um, you know, you have to balance between disintegration and integration and, you know, and crazy wisdom. Some people, you know, are, you know, we know that geniuses, right, sometimes are on that edge of insanity and, and, and artist, artist, artistry. Um, but yeah, it's a pity when, when our, our culture does not acknowledge actually um, some of the um, crazy wisdom actually that some of these, some of these practitioners have. Yeah. Um, and then they push them further out when we can actually reintegrate them perhaps in, 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 a, in a way that benefits as a win-win situation. Yeah, or make a space for them. Um, you mentioned, you talked about uh, uh, inspiration, expiration in the breath. And one of the main things I've become aware of in my, you know, 10 years of practice of meditation is a lot of the meditation traditions, particularly Buddhism, talks about just becoming aware of the breath as it is and not changing the breath. Uh, whereas in a lot of yoga traditions, they have pranayama, uh, which is actually regulating the breath and changing your breath. Um, I was wondering in the practice that you do, is there a lot of regulation or is it more about the awareness of the breath? Um, breath is a tool, um, just like any other tool, um, especially a very uh, powerful or complex tool, like a cell phone is a tool. <laughs> you can use it to take pictures. You can use it to time yourself. You can use it to email. You can use it to call. You can use it to text. You can use so many things, edit. Uh, so the breath to me is as useful as as, as myriad as as as, as, a, as a tool, just like just like a cell phone. And so depending on, uh, you can say your diagnosis, mm. if you will, to use a medical term, am I 
more than dissipation, then I can use the breath to bring it back. Mm. Um, am, am I low? Am I more in exhaustion? Can I bring the breath to bring, uh, to bring me back up? Um, so it, it depends on, on, your, on your goal. And, uh, and then also if you talk about specific geo-cultural lineages like Buddhism, of which there's actually dozens of different lineages uh, or uh, same thing with uh, the Indian, Indian uh, lineages. Um, each teacher, right, has a particular emphasis. Um, and for me, I like to use the tool sometimes, like you said, in a more regulated way, deliberate breathing. And sometimes you let it go. You, you trust the flow of, of, of the autonomic nervous system use more physiology mm -hmm. to um, balance balance you because it actually knows better than <laughs> than the intellect actually yeah. um, but so you can use it more conscious or subconscious like I said you, know, you yeah. can trust the subconscious flow of the breath or you can uh, uh, use the conscious mind to direct it um, I think both are necessary I, I don't think you should just do you know this kind of focused intentional breathing <laughs> Um, because you may create an imbalance, but, but also some people can get philosophy. You just say, "Hey, just breathe." You're like, "What? <laughs> just breathe?" You know, and it is too abstract. It's yeah. too natural because they're stuck in such artifice. So they need a step-by-step -step way, hand-holding, to bring them towards their na their their nature. That's really cool. Um, so I want to start talking about what you are creating and. Uh, what you're a little bit maybe about your history of, of why why you're doing what you're doing uh, so maybe probably many of your list many of the people listening already probably know a little bit about what you're doing but maybe for the listeners who will listen later um, what uh, you teach all around the world what are you what where are you what are you doing there <laughs> what am I doing there I don't know <laughs> no. um, so I don't have to go through my whole biography you can go to my website you know to talk about it and uh, I'm, i guess i'm shy to talk about every single thing but let, let's say i'm grateful and thankful to connect to many different lineages of teachers um, over the over the last decades and uh, both um, or not both but among uh, chinese medical teachers i have my my call them sifus you know or, or masters you know and also among uh, martial arts i also have various teachers. Um, and then the third category, which is, I use the word, word mystical, which some people get scared about, but to me, it just means being connected to the mystery of life, which there's so much unknown. Okay. So I don't, I don't necessarily mean in a, in a uh, too much of a specialized way. Um, but I, I've also been contacted, uh, been in contact with teachers who are also very amazing actually in, in that aspect. So I have my, my core or heart teacher in each of these three fields, um, but also had the, had the chance to study with um, over a dozen different teachers and world lineages. Um, and at some point, um, actually kind of like what I said, I was doing many things and perhaps I was getting a little bit burnt out just because I was so curious, I had so much interest. So I realized there's two ways. One is either to get rid of stuff as a way of simplification the other way of, that's a quantitative way get rid of stuff uh, which is all the rage now with these kind of uh, you know clearing out and donating clothes kind of way <laughs> um, but another way is a qualitative simplification which is integration so at some point i realized i was talking about the same thing whether i was teaching martial arts to my students or whether i was treating patients with chinese medicine or if i was in a, in a more meditation spiritual mystical context talking about um, you know, life and death, actually the same thing. 
just using different terminology like we talked about before but it boils down to balance it boils down to uh, awareness um and so I, so I so i began to more and more over the last uh, years to integrate it more and more um uh in, into a, into kind of a you know i hesitate with the word system but at least a framework where people can uh connect to these teachings that come from different lineages uh, in, a, in a simple and accessible way um and uh, what, what I did actually, the process was I, I took everything I, I, I received and I looked at where they overlapped because a lot of the differences are just stylistic or linguistic or cultural. Mm. So maybe 80% different, but that 20% in which they're all saying the same thing, mm. that's what I focused on. Mm. And, and then I call it, I call it Gong Fa. Um, I, I created a little map. I, I think I sent it to you, but if, yeah. if your listeners want, I can... I, you know, I can send it to them too. It's, it's a picture is worth a thousand words, but, but, but basically it reduces down to answering the questions daily as a self-care practice. What am I doing? <laughs> Why am I doing? It? And then who am I is perhaps the most important. And, and, and the overlap of who you are and what you do, that is your power, that is your skill, that is your capacity, which in Chinese is called gong, your power. And, and where the the what, the principles, like balance, overlap the what or the tool, that is the fa, that is the how. How do I uh, employ the, the tool to express the principle? How do I use the practice to uh, employ um, the theory? And then how do I embody, how do I embody the principles? That part I call the which is your virtue, which is your value, which is your kind of um, integrity. So it sounds a bit complex, but it's just three variables that, that and how they intersect with each other. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the different practices, um, I start with four, uh, which are standing, and then four, which are seated, four, which are laying down, and then four, which involve uh, footwork or walking around. Because those are the main postures we have as a human, standing, sitting, laying down, and walking. Uh, each one examines a different thing. For instance, the first gongfa is centering, <laughs> which, we, which we kind of already talked about. The second gongfa is clearing, which is how to clear if you're, if you're stuck. The, the, the th third gongfa is actually charging, like mm. your, your battery is low, how do you charge? And the fourth gongfa, I call it communing, which is, um, the, which is how, to, how to connect to your, to your space. Um, and, but a lot of it explores identity. Um, because uh, back to stress, um, you know, each, each identity, sometimes we call it ego or, or our, our self-image, right? Or um, uh, anyways, each one of these, uh, of which we have dozens if you really analyze it. Like for me, male, <laughs> Asian, son, brother, teacher, et cetera. Yeah. But each layer, each of those is like a layer of clothing, mm. right? Mm. And some of us are walking around like you know, <laughs> 30 layers, which is exhausting. Yeah. So, so self-care cultivation is simply getting naked. <laughs> and once you get, yeah, when, and, and then washing some of those clothes too. <laughs> yeah. um, but then when you get naked, then you can redress. Yeah. Try on a different self because otherwise we get stuck with all these layers. I don't even know which one I am anymore. Mm. Or I don't, some of these aren't even meaningful for me anymore, but I'm still mm. wearing it. Mm. So self-care cultivation is a way to, one, one of the aspects is to, to clear all, examine all those things. Is it, is it still meaningful for me to, 
to be, you know, um, the, the macho guy, you know, let me check in with that. You know what? That's not meaningful for me anymore. Mm. Is it still meaningful for me to run away from that fear? You know what? No, let me let go of that fearful identity. And the thing is, when you let that go, you, 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 you get the credit back. Mm. <laughs> you can use it for something that is more productive mm. than just investing it in something in the past or, or, or investing in something that hasn't even happened. Yet. Mm. So some people say, oh, self-care, that sounds good. That's all the rage now, but how? So I try to create a step-by-step process. And in the last year, I, I presented it to different groups um, through... My, my late teacher, my late uh, Chinese medicine teacher, his name was Dr. Richard Tan. Mm. He was world famous. He taught for decades around the world too. I think I even travel more than him now. But <laughs> um, so when I entered this community, you know, I kind of brought out some of, some of what, what I just explained to you. And there's been really positive feedback. Um, so I've just been kind of uh, trying to explain it more and more in, in, in more and more accessible ways. Uh, and so I thank you actually for, mm-hmm. for helping to bridge bridge mm. that no that was really cool uh, that was very accessible very clear everything you said so far is very clear and, and uh, um, really uh, powerful um, and so how did you end up in Haiti I saw some pictures of you in Haiti <laughs> and you were you were doing acupuncture for these kids in the hills right um, yeah, yeah. Can you explain um, about how you ended up there <laughs> yeah so that's part of through our acupuncture organization called uh-huh. and balance method and we have a, a humanitarian branch called Global Balance Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we do medical missions. So in total, myself personally, even before connecting with these organizations, I've done uh, in total five medical missions, one to Philippines, mm-hmm. uh, three to Cambodia now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so six total and then two to Haiti. Um, again, it's about accessibility. Um, and like I said, I, I try to be consistent in what I do. We, and in terms of you know the, the three different studies that I have. Mm. Uh, so in, in this capacity, I put on the, you know, the acupuncture <laughs> doctor mm-hmm. identity yeah. and, and went, to, went to these places to try to offer relief. Um, to the Philippines, it was after Super Typhoon Yolanda mm-hmm. or Haiyan and uh, where three to 7,000, depending on who you talk to, people perished. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was working in different barangays or different neighborhoods. Um, you know, there would be you know, kids that lost their parents, parents that lost their kids. So they're treating a lot of PTSD and, you know, uh, intestinal disorders due to stress. Um, so that's kind of the intention. And, and we, we formalized it in, in Haiti and Cambodia. Um, we go there twice a year, uh, uh, usually once Cambodia, once Haiti. And the other important thing to make it accessible and sustainable is we've also taught local healthcare workers how to apply this balance method uh, acupuncture system. So, so again, that's something very meaningful to me. So I, I pursue that. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to have colleagues and students who are also inspired by that. So, I mean, we only have so much time, you know. Um, sometimes I, I, I do a practice, which is, you know, I don't say like a full grace or, or even say anything, but I'm sitting with my burger or whatever. And I think, oh, this could be my last burger. <laughs> and I hope not. Okay, I hope I can enjoy dozens more, but someday I'll be right, actually. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to remind myself, you know, that there's meaning that you can create at any moment. You know, and that's the power of the human. You're, you're, you're meaning creating beings. And so it's sad when, when we get stuck in depression or things like that. It's, to me, it's, it's so sad. You know, if you have a little bit of creativity, like, like, like what your podcast is about, you can 
try to find your way out of that. You know? but, um, but yeah, so, so yeah, the humanitarian aspect is, is kind of my, one of my uh, meaningful things for, for this life. And I'm glad to offer it to people who otherwise wouldn't be able to access acupuncture, like in the urban centers at a certain fee. So we go to, uh, and we train their, their people and communities yeah. that, that are often ignored by, by their government yeah. due to political historical reasons like Haiti and, and Cambodia, you know, Khmer Rouge and, and Haiti with fighting against the colonial powers. Yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned something interesting that I want to follow up, particularly in terms of stress. You talked about going to the Philippines and helping people who have PTSD. And one of the main issues that I've become aware of for people like what you're doing who go and help other people with PTSD is then they kind of almost catch PTSD and have trauma through these experiences where like you go in and have these heavy experiences where you're trying to help other people and it's almost like you, you know, you, you pick up on that. Uh, it, it did that happen to you? Have you seen it in other people? And do you have any suggestions for people to, because my understanding is that with this, um, with this uh, thing that happens with PTSD, the way that I deal with any strong emotion is I almost try to digest it. Uh, and the better I get at digesting experiences quickly, um, the less they stick in me so that, you know, it's, you just yeah. you feel the emotion totally through because that's what it wants to, it wants to be seen. It wants to be felt yeah. and let it go as opposed to it getting stuck. And that's what I feel PTSD is. What do you think? I, I love this question. Uh, mm. It's so important um, because we are social animals, right? So we want to connect uh, and we would die actually in the past, right? We were alone. Um, uh, I teach a lot of healthcare practitioners, and this is especially important for them because they deal with a lot of sick people. And people are complaining about shoulder or about their, you know, their insomnia, et cetera. And in, in Chinese medicine, we call that sick qi, pink <laughs> qi, um, which is a kind of signal which goes through our mirror neuron system, which is kind of a neurobiology of empathy. Uh, so like when, I, when, when we say, I would say I can answer your question uh, in, in the way that I've already mentioned before. The, the three, three lineages that I threaded together, the martial aspect teaches you, let's say the martial aspect, so self-care, self-care has three aspects. One is from the martial tradition, that is self-protection. How not to let it in in the first place, just like your immune system. You don't have to put up your, your fist. But like I, I fly in airplanes a lot like mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of miles. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was just in four airplanes in the last, you know, 30 hours. Yeah. Came from Lisbon, tomorrow I fly to Switzerland and then to Athens. Yeah. Um, I protect myself <laughs> and, and I haven't gotten sick in a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And um, so how do you do that? That's part of the self-care practice. Uh, number two, from the medical tradition, uh, that aspect of self-care we can say is self-healing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the stuff came in, you weren't mm -hmm. able to protect yourself. How do you heal yourself? And then the third part, the, the, the third part of self-care, which has to do with you know, mysticism, um, is self-awareness. Mm. What is this self, actually, <laughs> that is getting, that, that, it, that we're trying to protect, that we're trying to heal? Who is this self? And, and that's where it gets very interesting. And that's the strategy mm. I use all 
all three of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, one way to say it is I have all these different roles that I play. And to me, it's just like, a, you know, I like this jacket, but, you know, if I lose it, well, okay, it was nice, but I got to let it go. Right? Mm-hmm. I can maybe buy a new one or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try not to take myself seriously. Mm-hmm. I realize that myself is actually empty. Mm-hmm. All it is is roles that I play. The roles that I play, I take very seriously. I want to make sure my students understand the teaching. I want to make sure that my parents and my patients feel feel better. Um, and however, I, I feel like um, I don't hold on to that when I go to sleep. <laughs> Some people, you know, they they hold on to their stress, you know, and then they cannot sleep. So in these kind of extreme emergency situations like natural disasters, every breath I try to reconnect to my center, mm-hmm. and I treat people from there. So even though I'm 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 at a at a part of the you know this model where things are spitting out of control in these people's lives, you know, whole villages left away, and I could be swept away too. Um, I'm engaging with them where they're at. I don't expect them to come to my mountain into mm-hmm. my cave, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. I come down from the cave mm-hmm. um, of my cultivation to the people, but I I don't disconnect. I stay connected to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that allows you to, if it comes in, digest it better. Just like if you eat something, you don't digest it, right? That's part of it. Um, and then in terms of emotion, that's the most powerful aspect of being human. That's why I translate the yi, qi, li, yi, gong, qi, gong, and li, gong. Mm-hmm. Translate the qi part primarily as emotion. Mm-hmm. And we, we touched on it earlier. Uh, emotions are absolutely human. They're meant to be felt. Like, I'll, I'll start crying when I'm talking to, to a kid or something like that. But the part of me is completely still. Mm-hmm. Part of me is not identified with it. I'm fully engaged with them emotionally. I'm feeling the wave resonating, but part of me is at the center, unmoved, mm-hmm. you know, totally mm-hmm. silent, totally in the dark, still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that may sound a little bit inhuman in a way, like, um, but I really feel, I really feel people, my, my sensitivity of feeling has gotten more since practice. Mm-hmm. But I also remember that's only part, my emotional side is only part of me. Some people who are emotional people, they'll be like, how can you say that? You know, like, <laughs> because what, what their life is, what their, what their self is, I am so angry. I am so afraid. So the, the I am is the most powerful statement that you can say as a human being. So I practice, it's a bit semantic, but semantics are powerful. I practice saying, I feel sad. I feel angry to the most that I can feel it just because I don't want to lose touch with my humanity and become artificial intelligence mm-hmm. or a robot. Mm-hmm. But that uh, is only one phase of me. Yeah. So yeah, that's how, I, that's how I'm not able to, when I'm treating, I was treating people from like in the Philippines, like at 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. <laughs> of course, I was physically tired, but mm-hmm. I was so, it was so meaningful to me. So I, I still had the energy coming through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they started pouring, and they, they they brought out the guitar with four strings, and we were drinking coconut coconut uh, wine. Yeah, yeah, I've had it before. Yeah, yeah, topaz, topaz. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, so meaningful. Mm-hmm. You explained this the sense of self very well, and I've been studying a lot of um, tantric non-dualism, which talks about this very thing that you said, which is we usually take on the role, and so we go from I am angry and we go to that that whole thing i am angry and we encompass that whole thing and what they talk about in tantric non-dualism is go back to i am and then i 
that sense of I-ness because yeah. that sense of I-ness, if you look at it and you ask, what is that? Not clear intellectually what that is because it, it is so vast, uh, that, yeah. that feeling of I-ness and, and they call it, you, you mentioned it, you said unstruck and they call it unstruck, the unstruck center of art, the place where you are perfect, where there is no, no, no necess necessity to improve yourself or anything like that because at your very core you are this 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 all-seeing all-being awareness which is the substrate of everything in existence um so i think you said that really beautifully and, and this is something interesting because that's you know you come from a very different lineage than than what i've just been talking about but it all <laughs> you know it all <laughs> it, it's the same thing all the lineages merge yeah at some yeah. point yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because um, there's always three, right? There's, you know, if you say I am angry, that's even mm -hmm. literally three words. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's the observer, right? And the observed, mm -hmm. and the observing, the process yes. of observing. Mm -hmm. and most people, we say it so quickly, I'm angry without realizing that, whoa, 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 whoa there's actually a lot going on there. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you say it all the time, it becomes a mantra, you know, it becomes your reality, actually. You mm -hmm. say it into life. So we have to go from the third, which is anger, back to the second, which is what is this am? What is this being? Mm. Beingness. And then the, the first thing is what is the I, which is one. So three, two, one. And then even sometimes go to the zero, mm. Mm. Where, where the one actually emerged from. Yeah. Um, some call it emptiness, but emptiness means full of potential. Mm. It's not a negation. Yeah. Of existence. That's, so, so we have to empty ourselves of yeah. all this you know, all these identities and do a little inventory. I, I, I give it often as another funny, and I think it's funny <laughs> analogies. Like you have a fridge, right? And you go grocery shopping and you open the fridge like, oh my God, I can't, I don't have any space, but then like mm -hmm. fresh groceries. And you're like, okay, what do you do? You start looking, you start going in and you pull out this milk carton that says March, you know, 20th, 2008. <laughs> Holy shit, what is it? What, what is that? So, you know, it's taking up space to throw it out. But if you don't, do this inventory, uh, you know, screen cleaning, you know, and you have stuff in there for weeks, months, years, decades ago that you don't even know is taking up space. And so every day, you know, daily self-care practice, again, I say 14.4 minutes because that's 1% of your day. Mm. <laughs> is it worthwhile to invest 1% of your day to upgrade the other 99%? I, I think it is. Mm. I do at least 14.4. That's where I start, you know. Um, mm the students at everyone can find 14.4 minutes you take six minutes from facebook you know <laughs> you take three minutes from instagram you know you take 10 minutes from youtube you have more than 14.4 if you accidentally do 15 minutes great even better um, but yeah the it's it's actually all quite simple and like you said at the, at the root of it the essence of it it's sense regardless of ethnicity nationality time space all the same because the reality is one you know, so we just have different it's just like music, you know, you have those 88 keys, you know, on the piano, mm -hmm. you know, but they're still coming up with new songs, right? mm -hmm. but, but it's, just, it's just one instrument, you know, and I'm what we're talking about is the instrument of this three-dimensional, whatever, plus time, how the reality, how we play it, you know, how we can become virtuosos at it is, is individual, and it's great to have people like you to expose you know, those who are a bit lost to, to these kind of um, concepts and practices that, Hopefully, it can help. This has been such a great conversation. I'm really enjoying it, but we, we've probably only got a couple minutes left. Uh, I, will, I usually okay. ask this, this question at the end. Uh, what is one book, 
article or concept or idea that you've come across in the last month that's been really helpful for you either to become more creative or less stressed? Um, uh, I, I would say that recently um, I've, been, I've been thinking about why, you know, um, but the, the way if someone, because I think you, you, know, you had sent me something, you know, why, why do you do what you do? Um, I, I would summarize it like this is that I, um, the meaning of, of my life is actually uh, other people um, cultivate meaning. And it sounds a bit abstract, that's, but that's a concept that I use or a philosophy that I use. It's like, um, I don't want it to be about me because I know what's meaningful for me. Mm-hmm. Asking questions, throwing out ideas. Um, I, I would love everyone after interaction with me. I'm not always successful, of course, but at least it's my intention. If we spend an hour together or even five minutes, like I'll talk to the person next to me. I mean, that's like 13 hours together, but maybe you only talk for a few. But out of this connection, you know, with another being, you know, in this, in this lifetime that is, I mean, what is it, what are a few years or decades, you know, and I could go, I don't know, something could happen and this would be the last conversation I have. You know? mm-hmm. But um, that, they, they, that it's, it inspires something. That, that maybe their, their meeting, meaning meter was low, but they wanted to, whatever, I don't know, you know, but through our interaction, not, not from me per se, but I was able to help them create meaning for themselves, mm. which may not be meaningful to me, but it's meaningful to them. Mm. So I would say that, that you asked for a concept, but that's kind of like my, for the time being, my sort of, uh, my model or my modus and my MO, so mm. to speak. <laughs> that's beautiful. It, it, it's, it's satisfying for me to help others, you know, create, create more meaning. So um, how can people find you and your work uh, to find out more about you or maybe connect with you and ask you questions? Online. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking because I'm so busy, but, but yeah, feel free if you guys have some questions. Um, <laughs> or just to find out like, uh, you know, information on your website or something yeah. like that. To find no, out more. No, I, I'm, because I need time for my self-care cultivation yeah. every day yeah. <laughs> but uh, but i'll try to get you back to you to your emails or text or our social media but um i would say my, my website is <laughs> dao center d-a-o uh, center.com um i'm also on, on instagram and facebook if you search for uh instagram i think it's sifu paul wang because it was more for my martial arts so s-i-f-u-p-p-a-e-l-w-a-n-g and mm-hmm. then on facebook it's if you search for paul paul c Wei. I'm sure there's more than one, but if you're lucky, you can find me, <laughs> then we can connect that way. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been like a total honor uh, and I, I really love what you're doing and I, 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 can, I hope you can continue doing it and help. Um, and uh, so thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to, to have this conversation. So um, yeah, keep in touch. And, uh, cool see you sometime maybe in, in person sometime <laughs> yeah maybe in the in east in the east bay in berkeley yeah yeah. Thank yeah cool and thank you to the yeah. listeners yeah. Yeah. For the i want to thank also your yeah exactly yeah. yeah i would like to thank the audience as well for taking time out of the day to to uh, connect with us yeah. yeah cool and the show is crazy wisdom hope you guys uh if you liked what we talked about uh, find us on itunes and subscribe um thank you guys so much
Have a great day. <laughs>